0: Going on to have a crack. Yes, is, you know. Oh I say!
1: This is Filthy Shambles, Season 3, Episode 18, Tottenham, a top of the league. I'm joined by Adam, we're going to talk about Spurs now, we're going to talk about Spurs on Monday when we play Chelsea and we're going to look ahead to the rest of the season as well and we're going to look back on Angie's opening 10 games. Adam, welcome back mate, it's been a while, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good mate, thank you for having me, it's always, uh, always good fun.
1: So... Look, talk to me, man. How are you feeling um, after <laughs> after ten after ten games? It's a stupid question to ask a Spurs fan right now because no Tottenham fan, I would like to think, is going to turn around and give a negative answer to that question. But what what's the best thing about Postacoglu um, in this very early stage of his tenure at, at Spurs? What what's the thing that's kind of resonated for you?
0: Um. I think watching the players self diagnose stuff on the pitch, which last year was not happening at all. And I think Conte was rightly blamed for the vast majority of rubbish that was happening on the pitch. But you're watching these players just not be able to work anything out for themselves, Uh, perhaps in part because they were positioned in the wrong places and the personnel wasn't quite right. But watching after we were 2-0 up on, even 1-0 up on Friday and the sort of Romero Vicario show where they just played it, played it and played it and played it and played it and waited for Palace to react and then just, just carve through them on a, on a number of occasions. It didn't always lead to a chance, but the way in which the players are aware of what they have to do, but also are seemingly able to work out mid game, like where the spaces are, where the angles are, what to do. I think that's really like thrilling to watch. Um And, that's, that's the part that's really got me, and, and, and I'm really enjoying that part at the moment. Well,
1: what do you think that is, though? Do you think that comes down to accountability? Is it is it Postacoglu? Is it Ange basically... Um allowing the players to kind of blossom in in i know it sounds really basic right because every player has to have some kind of intelligence on the pitch right and also emotional intelligence in terms of making sure that they don't lose composure and the rest of it do you think we were over disciplined under conte constrained too much is are the players behaving like this because it's the the coaching or is it is it that accountability and responsibility that kind of you know this is what this is who you are these are your abilities expand on those abilities don't don't feel that you're constrained obviously within within reason because there still has to be structure
0: i think it probably comes down to which non-negotiables the manager chooses to impart on the team um and i suppose with conte the non-negotiables as far as he was concerned would to be defensively disciplined positionally sound um and not make mistakes, which obviously is the greatest way to lead to making mistakes. Whereas I think Postecoglou's <laughs> non-negotiables are to play forward, to play the right way, and to press. And I don't think it's a surprise that in doing that, it also makes you better at the stuff that Conte would have wanted to do. Um, and I I also remember saying a number of times last year, you know, just with the simple fact that you had three centre halves last year, the the spare man was always back last season mm. there was always a safety that someone behind you was going to be free and that might go all the way back to Larice. and then you just lose it because there's nowhere to go because the, you know the safe man is always behind you whereas now the safe man is Basuma or Sar or Madison or a winger dropping in so th- you know the only way to play really is forward and they're encouraged at all times to play forward so I think it's just a perfect blend of what Postacogli wants them to do versus how he set them up which you know it sounds pretty obvious but I think if you went back and watched a couple of games under Conte from last year and how we tried to move the ball like it's farcical in comparison to what we're doing yeah. now
1: yeah I was, I was thinking about this I, I think about this a lot to be fair when I'm at Tottenham um, um, obviously we, we're enjoying the games and the experience um, in a way that just it, it kind of it makes a mockery of what we had to go through last season and 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 more so it makes a mockery of of what we what we try to rationalize and uh, and, and and kind of protect because because in essence we're trying to protect our own experience and our own belonging to the club and we were all struggling with it because the football was so bad and and the the kind of the kind of toxic um atmosphere in the stands social media in the press conferences all of that has kind of it's just evaporated. It's, it's disappeared and it's been replaced in so... I mean, everything literally has just been restarted. Not even rebooted. It's like we've started from scratch. Do you think it's it's only as good as it feels right now because of how bad it was under Antonio Conte? Or do you think that's doing a disservice to how much of a difference Postacoglu has brought in? Because we were linked to one or two other coaches who I do not think... They might have brought organisation. They might have even brought results, but they probably would not have given us the 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 vibes if if I'm allowed to say mm-hmm. that as a grown man that we're getting um, under Ange at the minute. I mean, where, where do you sit with it? Do you not? Are you not overthinking it? Is it just infinitely better than last season? And that's all you care about?
0: No, I think, um, and it's obviously a very short sample, small sample size, but I think the best football that we've played this year is as good as anything as I've ever seen Spurs play and is exactly the way you want your team to play. Um, Like Against Fulham, just watching Odoji in that first half, he is just a remarkable player and the way they got him into space and all right, it took us us a while to get going against Fulham, but that little 15 minute period from 30 to 45 minutes, I think you'll go a long way to find a better 15 minutes of football that, that you've seen Tottenham play um and yeah the the opposition maybe ma- maybe matters but it also doesn't because it's what we're doing against anyone i think um and yeah the you know the contrast probably makes it more stark because you can't believe what you had versus what you what you have now <laughs> but i think it would almost do a disservice to say it's this because of that like in right. isolation this is brilliant to watch and i'm loving it
1: yeah it's uh I mean, it's it, the, the, it. There's just something. There's just something about Tottenham right now that that um, that we we don't need to be forced into understanding. We can all feel it. We can all see it. And I think it's a really important um, economy, just in terms of the fan base having to restart. You know, because of last season, because of the the seasons under Mourinho beforehand, and 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 that that kind of season we've. Uh, Nuno and the the last eighteen months under Pochettino. It feels like it's been a long time since we could we could all agree together that we all liked what we were seeing together. There was a lot of fragmentation under Antonio Conte. There's a lot of politics. You know, Conte seemed to act as a conduit for the people that are completely obsessive about um Disliking Enoch and Daniel Levy and making that their identity. And then under Mourinho, you know, we had the lockdown and COVID, and it was just a very weird and strange time. And, and Nuno, I don't know what that was. Um and obviously Pochettino was us knowing that we were about to lose something that we didn't quite have. You know, we we being Spurs is always about getting to that final hurdle and then not quite being able to get past it um whereas now none of that matters anymore because we've got something brand new and it feels brand new and it feels it feels it feels right in so many ways and there's a lot we there's a lot i want to kind of dive into There's 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 lots of little questions i want to ask you to kind of See where you're at compared to where where I'm at. But um, is there anything Just on that? Sorry, I think the final yeah, hurdle yeah.
0: thing is really important because mm-hmm. when you have a manager like Conte or Mourinho, the final hurdle can only be winning a trophy because that's the that is basically what you have transformed your club's rationale and raison d'être to be. Like you hire these managers to win trophies. If Spurs come third this year and don't win the FA Cup, um. I don't think you'll find a single supporter who don't doesn't think that's one of the best seasons they've ever seen at Spurs.
1: Yeah, and and this is what what you said is spot on because Conte's words and, and that whole narrative and the fact that Levy did appoint him to win something as quickly as possible then feeds into that disappointment and that expectation that leads to the disappointment. You know, people then say, "Well, you failed. You failed." the manager because we didn't win anything. You didn't give him what he needed to win something within two mm-hmm. seasons. As if that's any way to 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 set up any team in any situation <laughs> like like to, to say we've got to win something in two seasons. Whereas Postacogli's been quite upfront and said it's not it is about winning things, but it's about being in a position to win things. And people will say, Well what's the difference? I mean that's what Conte wanted, right? But no it wasn't when you step back and then realise that the way, the methodology, the, the the methodology of Conte doesn't actually align to the to the way that Tottenham are run as a football club and the way that we perceive what we well not perceive right we believe in what Tottenham should be in terms of tradition and heritage and the rest of it and I know. Heritage tradition of the last fifteen years equates to not winning anything, but there's context to a lot of that. Um And whereas at the moment it feels like we're building towards something, which is one of the most one of the most important things that it doesn't feel like it's a very short term mm-hmm. um solution. You know, because we've created this problem within the ether of football that you gotta win something, otherwise you lose complete definition of who you are and what you are and we actually lost that by chasing that very that very thing that we it became um, you got to win something and then we realised that the the, the the end of the Conte reign and, and I know there was a lot of things going on in his life and, and, and whatever else but when that fell apart everybody then realised oh actually that isn't the thing I need to make me happy about Tottenham it's the fucking football of and course. it's like well exactly it's the most obvious thing that we often and i have be guilty of it that we've often placed aside because we need to win ugly and we need this trait and we need that trait and we need and you know in the end no we don't we we need to be happy as football fans and this guy that hardly anyone rated the cheap option has come in and he's he's given us things already in these very early stages um, one of my favourite things about Postacoglu is the way that he does talk to the media mm-hmm. and to the supporters, and 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 many a time people say, "Well, that's well, you know, what, why is that something you should be celebrating?" Well, because he's representing the football club, he's representing himself. He's going to do the best job he can for himself and therefore for the Tottenham. But what he's saying doesn't sound like a like a an internal script. That he's delivering, that he's actually talking to us, and he's in his. Oh, we won today, but I don't like the way we we lacked fluidity up front. We won today, but I didn't like the lack of control that we had in the. And these, this is music, Adam, because mm. it's making me think I can enjoy us winning, but I know that this geezer's actually taking accountability himself to fix the things that we know that might be a concern long long term. So um so is any is there anything that you you've looked at or seen and again it's you can't be overly critical because it is only 10 games but is there anything that you've looked at and seen and thought yeah that that's a, that's a potential problem or that's something that you you're unsure about or is it too early to to, to even delve into into the darker corners of um this new look Tottenham
0: the only potential problems that i can see with this Tottenham team is one or two injuries in key positions
1: hmm.
0: um, if this team if this team played all 38 games you know obviously you're going to get a knock along the way but you know if if Romero and Van Der Ven were able to play 38 games for the sake of argument and Madison didn't get his customary injury or whatever like the sky really is the limit for Spurs and in a, in a weird way I, I don't like all the could we stuff like whatever like it's funny but it is what it is um, people like dismissing the idea of us winning the league, that there's almost a, a weird way that we might never have a better chance of doing it because of the lack of games that we have. And uh I don't think we can win the league, but it, mm-hmm. it might be one of those things that we look back on in a year's time when we've got hopefully League Cup, hopefully Champions League football, and we've got to rest and rotate players. Like it might be a case that we have 38 or 40 games this year with a fully fit squad and you may never have a better chance... Of of winning it in in the most yeah. weird roundabout way, like I, I think that injuries are the only thing that can derail what they're doing at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's funny, isn't it? Because it, it's it, we're almost grateful now that we didn't qualify for the Conference League or anything more than than that. Because yeah. I mean, obviously, we would have had to spend a lot more money in in the summer, and that might have rushed things. We might have we might have. Uh, I'm not saying that we would have made mistakes in the transfer window but or excuse me we would have needed a far more um we would have needed far more depth in the squad to have had, to have had the chore of those european games and it's it's a blessing if anything that we're not in europe and that the at least this I mean our starting 11 is fantastic it can be improved in a couple of areas no doubt but it's absolutely spot on but you're right a couple of injuries and we need to find out more about the plays that we do have coming off on the off the bench and then and obviously then we need to look at january uh, to consolidate there's already rumours about tony being, being being a potential january signing there's not that i necessarily think he fits um at spurs but that's just like a personal opinion, just in terms of personality, in terms in terms of the players that we have been looking at. But um, that's a I conversation. think a striker's for... the
0: last place we should be spending our money.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, when Madly. you look at when you when you look at the depth that we do need in other key positions, I completely agree. But um, again, we don't know what Spurs are doing in the back end. You know, it's interesting because. The way that we started the season has, has has redefined our expectations for the season, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't just, and I know we've had conversations like like offline, like in, in WhatsApp, like like in my head, I'm like, well, look, it's it's a kind of a free hit because we weren't expecting much this season, but the benchmark we've sent, set up already demands that we build on it, even if we get stretched, and that's fine. We have to accept getting stretched in those moments, but it, we should consolidate as we as we mean to go on in order to solidify what we're actually doing and continue that foundation building to get to the point where we do have European football for next season and then therefore the summer becomes uh, the, the summer of, of redesigning the squad like in terms of flexibility and, and options and being able to rest players and rotate players and the rest of it. It's It's... It's the fundamentals of football, right? Every team has to evolve. But in the moment right now, we just crack on with what we're doing. And, and when we do hit the hit a bump, it's not because Postacoglu is suddenly being found out or our players have been found out. It's the reality of, of, of a 38-game season. But at the same time, you're right. Like, the whole could we joke is that Stranger things have happened. It's just a lot to demand. If you could sat there demanding that Tottenham are going to win the league, then you're kind of missing the point of, of this this new journey. Um, just on that, could we? That whole <laughs> joke started off um, on the Jaffin uh, podcast, which is James Alcott and Flav of the fighting cock and it was, I don't know if it was, if it originated as a joke specifically about Tottenham or like a general, could you, could you do it? Uh, kind of, uh, uh, meme. Um, but the one that I think is the, is the one, the one that should, the one that we should be embracing is, is something else that, that, that James has often, um, uh kind of gone to is is the one that that tells us that something is happening here and and, Mm i and i do think that's the the that's the thing that's driving me at the minute is the fact that um postacoglu is bought into tottenham as much as we've bought into him and i think it's uh it's a big it's a big it's a big season for us because i think it just tells us where we could be potentially next season and the season beyond that um most impressive players who stood out for you um, in this crop of uh, uh, starters
0: Um, I know
1: I know I mean you could just pick your favourites mate because to be fair I don't think there's a player I dislike or want out of the team at the minute I just uh, um, I love them all basically
0: yeah I mean obviously Richarlison is Mm, not not performing to the at the same level as the rest of them but since he's moved out to the left-hand side, I don't don't think he's been like a net negative to the team. He probably hasn't added, you know, he's got a few assists, um, which isn't really what you spend 60 million quid on someone for, but they found a way to make him... Yeah, we won every game since Brennan Johnson got injured, so it couldn't have been that bad, right? And he, he started. The Eric started Lamella of, of uh, the side. Well, no, that would be very disrespectful to Richarlison <laughs> to call him such an awful, awful player. Right. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, put, we'll leave the one to one side. Okay. Hey, okay I can, I could, could do a whole pod on Lamella on Lamella if you want. We'll save save it for an international break one day. Um, who, look, taking out the obvious ones um because everyone's been raving about them. I think that Porro has been my under under heralded player of the season so far. I, I think he is absolutely superb and he's come at such a surprise. Um I thought he was a Conte vanity signing as a wing back who at the time, we all thought Conte was going to get binned off at some point and there's no way he can play in a back four. So what are we doing? And he has been he has been absolutely phenomenal. And I think in terms of breaking us out of the press and the way in which we invert and the way we want to get from back to forward, I think he is as important a player as, as anyone. And the goals that we score that go from back to front, there's very few that he's not involved in one way or another. I, I think he has been... So much better than I could even have hoped for, let alone feared. Yeah, he—he's he, the one for me so far that I'm enthralled by. That's a good by. shout.
1: That's a really good shout because there was a lot. Of, there, there were. I mean, there was debates around whether he would fit into a Postecoglou team. You know, it's funny when you look back to the summer and and, and we were so worried about our defence. You know, we were. So, I mean, obviously the concern as well was it's impossible to replace Harry Kane. But the, the the defensive side of things, you know, there were question marks over Mickey Van Der uh, Ven, who I think is probably my pick, just because he was meant to be second choice uh, behind tapsover and and he's just been a revelation, just in terms of composure. And and you know, the Premier League is not an easy league to to come into for a lot of players. You need time sometimes. I don't know whether it's the Romero effect that he's alongside. A World Cup winner who has also been elevated by having, uh, you know, being a vice captain. Um, I, everything has gelled in the right way. So Porro's uh, an, an equally great shout. Um, I mean, the irony
0: of what you said there about Romero. Sorry for interrupting. Is no, 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 go for it. That New, that Newcastle game, we played a back four, yeah. and Romero and Porro were seen as the axis of why that whole formation couldn't work on the right yeah. side of that defence. Yeah and um, oh, there you go i mean it's which just, is, which is mad when you think about it
1: i mean it's you know the, the the players are instructed by the coach and the manager at the end of the day the system's got to work the players have got to believe in the system they got to believe in the manager they got to believe in in their teammates and and you also you can have all the heart and and the the endeavor but you have to have the quality and and often it is about players Complementing each other, you know, in the right way, and Spurs have been a mixed bag of players, you know, in in the, in the past four or five years. Uh, whereas now we do look like a team, we look like a collective. They all know what each other is meant to be doing, and and it just works. It just works out the box, which is um, a really strange thing to say about uh, Spurs, considering that we've been uh, brutalized by our our own uh, our own club. Uh, for for far too long um what what, um uh, there's something actually just 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 as a a, a kind of footnote to all this i think it was a a, a, it might have been a guardian article i'm I'm not completely certain Uh, but there was something around um postacoglu talking about or, or or the writer talking about how spurs would look at players to sign and and Cogley would talk to the players and actually decide if they were the right fit psychologically mentally and, and and apparently there was a player that we were interested in signing but the player gave the wrong energy and the energy mm-hmm. was that he wanted to get away from the club he was at whereas the player that we ended up signing for that position wanted to come to Tottenham and I think I think the conversation is that it was Raya and Vicario, and the, the Raya wanted to leave uh, Brentford, and uh, Vicario wanted to join Tottenham, which you might think, well, that's the same thing, right? Well, obviously not, depending on how they uh, communicated this when they did speak to, to Ange Postacoglu or, or the club. So I think that's quite a, an interesting thing. You know, we talk about data, but there's also this other layer that I think is really important that Spurs seem to be getting right. Thus far, um, so uh, Sar, what What's your what, What's your um, assessment? And I'm picking Saar because there's some people in the Spurs community who are unsure about him. Um,
0: really, where, where do you fall? God, I think he's brilliant. Like he's 21, which you know doesn't necessarily matter in the 90 minutes he's on the pitch, but it does matter when you're looking at it on on the whole that. This guy is barely even close to the prime age you would expect him to be for a midfielder. But like I think Saar's been so good this year that I don't see Benton Court just coming into the team and getting his place back straight away. Um maybe I'm well off on that and maybe it's a you know maybe it's just a guarantee that will happen. But I, I think the energy that Saar provides um, the protection he gives on the right hand side for players like Porro and Romero when they want to charge forward, um, and I think some of the interplay that he's able to to produce, not always, but on more more often than not, is mm. is brilliant. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I think that you know, look, it's good to have a squad. You don't just want eleven players, but I, I don't think you're going to see a situation where Sarr just doesn't play for the rest of the season because Benton calls back. I'll be. I'll be amazed if that happens.
1: I, I love the I love the, the core of our, our midfield. You know, for so long we, we 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 were kind of talking about how the players were really similar, um, whereas I think that there, 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 there is there, 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 there's different traits you can pick out from Saar and Benton, Core and Basuma, right, and, and and especially when compared to say Hoybier who who lacks. The dimensional play of someone like maybe Bentoncourt. Uh, and and you look at Basuma, who's absolutely fantastic at uh, owning the ball, bossing the ball, recycling the ball, kind of kind of con- kind of pulls the tempo back in our direction. We kind of missed him on one in one of the games that he w- he wasn't present. I think was it the Fulham game he didn't play, and then it was you kind of saw it in the early stages of that game where you. We were a little bit sloppy. We were really sloppy towards the end of it. But you kind of thought, well, if Basuma's on the ball, we've got a little bit more control where it matters, um, because obviously that's the whole point, right? To to, to kind of boss tempo and dictate uh, tempo. And I think, I think having those players in there um, is really is is really powerful, just in, longevity wise. But what do you think about the Viking though? Because obviously. He, he, he's someone who is, I do say controversial, uh, because you either like him or you don't. Um, he's been all right, right, right? Am I right in saying that? Like, coming off the bench, tidying things up. He's been quite productive. He hasn't tried to do anything spectacular. He's not that type of player. He's just given us a little bit of reassurance when he has come on. At least that's how I've seen it. People might be listening to this and thinking, are you blind? spooky mate. Right? i mean what about yourself adam
0: yeah i, I think he's been fine um
1: <laughs> like, diplomatic as ever <laughs> I, I don't really know what else to say like he
0: helped, he patently hasn't been bad mm. but i also don't think he's been revolutionary to the point where no, he's no, won us much. games and that's absolutely fine for that sort of 13th 14th man 12th man um the question really is whether he's going to accept being that. I would imagine he won't and will no. therefore be moved on. Exactly. Um, but again, you know, the the, the rumour was that, you know, Conor Gallagher would come in and Hoiberg would go out in in the summer. I think if we were able to create that change again, I think we'd be up on the deal overall.
1: You you do feel that we need to do that, right? If we lose him, we would need to have another player
0: in there. Yeah, just, definitely. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think we'd need, you know, People line us up as four-two-three-one or whatever, but I think it probably is a midfield three with with Madison in there, and we've pr- probably got five players for the role at the moment. Five plus Skip, who doesn't appear to be um, that much in favour, but I think you need two for two for each position. So if if a midfielder left, one would have to come in. I, I think I yeah, almost agree. think if, if any player in the squad now was to be sold, maybe outside of Cessignon, we'd need to replace. hmm I think the squad's about as mm. small as it can be without. Mm. Any, yeah, I don't think there's any any more numbers we can be trimming at this stage.
1: No, no, definitely not. Is there is there anyone else you want to give a mention to? I'm going to ask you about the Palace game. I mean, we don't, we don't need to go super in depth uh, for and un, 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 you know unless uh, unless there's something we want to pluck out of it. But player wise, is there anyone else you want to kind of highlight it in these opening ten
0: games? I guess on on a, on a mere culpa standpoint. Um, Vicario has been so much better than I feared. Watching those first few preseason games, and I know people say like, you know, preseason, what you're trying to find, you're not going to see anything. But there, there were traits there that just looked alarming. And you know, he still isn't the greatest when it comes for you know coming for crosses and corners or whatever. But everything else is so good that we're able to to navigate around that. And um, you know, I remember being in a few discussions with people last year talking about Larice and there was this idea that would you know it's gonna be so hard to replace him because he's been yeah. there for ten years, such a good player. And and my point was always he's gonna be a hard human and probably captain to replace, although Sonny's doing a great job there by the looks of things. But the way in which he was just playing on the pitch was not going to make him that difficult to replace. And I think if anything, you're looking at what we're doing with a real keeper now in Vicario and, you know, I wonder how much better we may have been over the last couple of years with, with this level of performance because it's it's pretty chalk and cheese unfortunately from what we were getting on the pitch from Larice in the last few years which has not been not not been at the level that it was when he yeah. was in his pomp, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah he, he he did degrade
1: and Bicario is a very commanding player, really good shot stopper. Um he's just got all the traits at the minute and he, and it feels it feels like we've got this right. Again, ten games, feet grounded um, we're just enjoying what we're seeing, and and why the hell not? Considering what we've had to put up with. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I just absolutely hate when I park something, and then my brain goes, "No, you're not <laughs> going to have that, mate. I'm going to delete it from your head." I mean, we can we can jump onto the Palace performance. Were I mean, how did you find it? Was it because again, it was. It, it's funny talking about Tottenham at the minute because the 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 naysayers the, the 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 rival supporters will say well you haven't played anyone yet and you've not even played that well and you've uh, you've just about beaten certain teams and got past them in the last minute and you've had to rely on red cards and VAR and the rest of it who cares who cares indeed we are everybody plays each other twice we're getting we're getting the job done uh, Palace was has always been tricky at least in my head. Maybe I'm just rem- I'm, for some reason I'm rem- remembering the, the the bad performances there, not the wins that we've had over the over because we've won a, we've won a few times there, I'm sure in in, in recent years. Um, but how 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 did you find it watching it? Um, just in terms of the 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 way that we kept plucking away to try and get that opening goal, and then the the football that we played in the second half uh, was infinitely better, more comfortable than the second half. I thought Palace as well never really changed the way they set up they they almost played in a way to counter us and then when we scored the opening goal oh gee um they still didn't really change their positioning <laughs> it almost felt like well you guys need to open up a little bit now surely to be able to try and get back into the game and that only really happened at the death of it all when um VAR decided to give uh, uh, the, the, their go so were you were you kind of worried at any point? Was there anything that kind of crept in or were you just enjoying the kind of Romero-Vic uh, <laughs> kind of uh, passing game?
0: I think you're always going to get the same kind of game at Selhurst Park and especially it's not helped that they're just off the back of an absolute thumping away at Newcastle so you're probably playing them when they're at their most chastened and looking to to bounce back uh, and at least be solid defensively. And, that, you know, under the lights, Friday night not an easy place to go at the best of times, let alone for an evening game. Um, and I, I don't know what people expect. Like, it, it's the same game every time at Crystal Palace where, you know, last year the first half was turgid as well and then all of a sudden we scored four quick goals in the second half. Um, you just got to you just got to break the dam. Um, and fortunately, we got a bit lucky with the first goal, And that opens everything up but if anything the fact they didn't even change their style at all when they were losing just shows how difficult a place that is to go to break a team down because they even even in defeat they were just trying to get the game to the last 15 minutes at one nil and then maybe change something so um i think you throw out performances at certain places uh and, and palace is one of them because it's a small pitch it's tight it's it's an always a fairly difficult place to go and Certainly not the not the kind of place you're going to go and start and be, you know, expansive from minute one. You know, didn't Arsenal win their one nil with ten men this year and having about mm. four centre halves on mm. um, defending the long ball. So I, I just think, yeah, like, I don't know where you've been, what what you've been watching. If you weren't expecting that sort of game um, from Palace, um, if anything, the, the way that the Fulham game started was slightly more alarming than the Palace game was to me um but then they settled into their rhythm and, and got better um no like P- palace is one of those where you just take three points and see you next year thanks very much
1: yeah agreed and th- th- this, this this kind of narrative where spurs aren't allowed to dig deep or <laughs> not <laughs> they're not allowed to they're not allowed to just um or the opposition rather uh don't open up for them and make it a tricky game and there's like there's nothing new, there's nothing special about what Spurs are doing in the grand scheme of things, where at the end of the day, you need to be better than the opposition, how do you do that? Well, you play better, you make less mistakes, you take advantage of the mistakes they make you score, you protect the lead you you basically are giving out the energy that you are going to win this game, and Spurs have done that time and time again this season Um, and how that is somehow the template of some kind of lucky uh, collection of footballers, and 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 having to rely on. Oh, it's just it's just pathetic, really. It's actually boring, <laughs> and, and no doubt it'll be it'll be flip-reversed when um when we do lose, it'd be like, whoa, look, you lost. And it's like, well, we, you know, we've been unbeaten for ten games, like what, you know, eleven games, twelve games, however long that this run's going to go on for. Like, why are you so obsessive about Spurs? Is it because you're insecure and worried that we could actually be a threat? Maybe not this season, but at some point. Um, and that, that, that again, is another thing that's driving me. The person I think that's driving Spurs as well at the minute is Son, and I think he's probably my pick of uh, another pick of, of, of one of the players that I think has been outstanding as captain and as a leader and a goal scorer. I thought the second goal that we scored, brilliant. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic football. Like from the back all the way to 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 the front, um, and it's we've done that so many times this season, Adam. I think there's been pockets of play where you've thought that is some of the that is. I'm not even exaggerating. That's some of the best football we've seen for a long time, just in terms of the movement and the the the, the awareness. And then you've got Postacoglu saying, "Well, I don't think we were that fluid." He said that, I think, for the Fulham game. And you're thinking, wow. I mean, Spurs are impressing me at the minute and we're still not anywhere near what our manager wants us to be. Um, Looking ahead, we've got a lot of tough games coming up and and, and obviously we can't not talk about Chelsea. uh, This up and coming Monday. What... What what What's your gut saying and what's your head saying with this game?
0: Um, look, it's very hard to completely separate the two out because in any sort of derby game, the emotion is very difficult to park to one side. But overall, I just think Spurs are currently a better team than Chelsea. And if they play properly and play without too much emotion that takes it into into silliness... Hmm. then I would expect Spurs to play well and then hopefully they take enough chances to win um, I and mean, that's a terribly boring answer but um, yeah why shouldn't Spurs just go and win this game
1: do, do, do you Have you seen much of Chelsea this season?
0: I feel like I haven't seen as much of them as I should do, their, their TV games have I, I don't know if I've missed them or whatever but I don't feel like I've watched them that much but you can see the way in which they're playing when they are playing that they haven't got anything like the patterns of play in place yet that Spurs have. Uh, and they've got vulnerabilities in certain areas that should be able to be exploited. Um, and I think, you know, with with pressing high and with being able to turn the ball over, we should give ourselves an awful lot of opportunities to create chances. And then it's just about whether you can take them or not, which is ironically the thing that Chelsea have been struggling with well, so but, much.
1: Exactly. I was going to ask you that because, like, I... Um who did they look, they they lost to brentford right 2-0 yeah and i, I kind of just caught the, the highlights of match of the day for that game and it just seems like that's their that's their story arc for this season thus far they're creating football they're creating goal chances they're not scoring um i'm mean, obviously that's you know you can say that about many teams right you can say that about tottenham for all for all the 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 narrative behind us being Lucky where United should have scored a couple of times, and Liverpool and this that. Well, at the other end of the pitch, we also had opportunities to maybe be in a far more comfortable position in many of the games that we played this season. That our finishing hasn't always been on point, or Mm. our decision making. See, so this thing around around. Chelsea. The thing that worries me is that I kind of expect them to click at some point, where they, they have one of those evenings or days or whatever, where they do score from the first opportunity they get. And obviously, those dark thoughts come into mind because because it's a weird thing, right? You kind of keep waiting for Tottenham as a Tottenham supporter to trip up, to 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 not quite have the rub of the green, to not quite have the luck, you know, and against Palace I mean what did you think of that the the kind of handball control potentially off his chest rolling onto his arm they, with, VAR spent an absolute age trying to work it out and, and, and then they just gave the goal um, what did you think of that incident just quickly and, and then how did you think Spurs handled what followed because normally you'd think the worst would happen and, and, and Palace would, would score
0: hmm. I thought that was a mad decision I, I... If, from what I'm led to believe if it hits his arm or if it's a handball offence in any way then it's automatically a handball and the goal is disallowed and I don't understand what the VAR guy could have been watching to not see the ball hit the guy's arm that that just felt
1: yeah, I, it's just really bonkers. bizarre to me I don't, I, I, I don't get it I just do not get it um I mean we can spend another podcast talking about VAR, but that will just put me to sleep mm. and put everyone else to sleep because I think also, everybody's on, sick of it at this on, point. On what it's you just
0: said, sorry on what you just said about chances. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, I think we've been so programmed under the last three managers including Nuno that you know giving up any goal scoring opportunities is you know the be all and end all and that, that's when doom starts to happen. You know every team employs a goalkeeper for a reason and it's cuz they're allowed to do their job and, and keep the ball out the net. You know, when when Pochettino was our manager, we all thought Lloris was an amazing goalkeeper, in part because he was making brilliant saves on a regular basis because we were an attacking team. And as a result, you give up chances. Um, yeah. I keep reading about this United game, uh, you know, mad revisionism that, well, United missed mm-hmm. two chances and therefore they should have mm-hmm. won the game. We missed about six in the second half yeah, exactly. and should have exactly. blown them away. Like, this idea that giving up chances directly leads to not deserving to win is just nonsense. Like all teams give up chances. All the good teams give up chances. Even City, you know, could have been uh, could have had a couple of goals against them in the first half against United, and that was a game that they were perceived to correctly have absolutely dominated. Giving up chances is not doesn't actually matter. I don't think you know it, you will concede more goals maybe, but. We're not conceding more goals than we used to, and we're much more attacking team, giving up more chances. But the keeper's making saves, which is perfectly entitled to do. That's why you pay him.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's. I, I think I think we probably give too much attention to some of the the more nonsensical uh, punditry from from mm. from kids and adults alike, where they attempt to simp- oversimplify football. I mean, they dumb it down basically, like it's. Like a multiverse, you make that... It's like a glass door moment... um Glass door, a sliding doors moment where you kind of... If this happens... If this did happen, it would lead to this. And it's like, well, it doesn't actually work like that. That's not what football's about. It's like when, when commentators say, they could have been three new up by now. No, if we'd scored the first your position would have changed the way they play and that could have led to something completely different.
0: Also, so often one of those is like a rebound from another shot so you literally can't score two goals with the same two kicks of the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like the keeper will make a (laughs) save and it'll bounce back and someone will miss It could have been 2-0. Well, no, that's not exactly how it works, is it? it, Because if the ball's in the net you can't score the second one.
1: It's stupid. It's stupid. Look, what we're going to do is we're going to end the normal podcast here so thank you for downloading. Um, I'm sure you've downloaded from... Your favorite podcast app if you want to continue listening go to um, patreon.com forward slash spooky in purgatory we're just going to talk a little bit more about chelsea because i want to ask you about pochettino and there's a couple of other minor little bits uh that i'm gonna i want to bring up with you as well just around the mood around tottenham at the minute and uh, the kind of disappearance of the protests but hmm. have they disappeared Um, So we're going to chat about that. So thank you for downloading and catch you on the next one.